leading everyday people to love Jesus and make Him known. Here's our pastor, Dr. Larry LeBlanc. We make some of the most crucial decisions that you will make in your entire life when you have the least experience to make them. Think about it for just a moment. At 18 years old, you will decide, if not before then, where you're going to go to college. At some point during those years, or even before, you are going to decide what your career is going to be. At some point in your teens or even 20s, you are going to decide, some of you, who is going to be your spouse, your wife, or your husband. And it amazes me that when we look back on those decisions that we ever got any of them right. But it's not just when you're young. How many of you, as you've gotten older, you look at decisions that you've made and you've thought, Oh, wow, if I would have known, if I could just have that one over. People talk about hindsight being 20-20. I wish I could go back. But what we know, what God reveals to us, whether it's decisions that we make as 18-year-old kids or whether or not it's decisions that we make when we're in our 50s, is that as you look over your life, I think the thing that is highlighted most is that we are incapable of handling life by ourselves. We are incapable of making decisions by ourselves. We are incapable without God of doing anything but turning our lives into a train wreck. And as we open up to Genesis, especially chapter 13, that's really what's going to be highlighted here. You can remember as we've been walking through the story of Abraham that, that Abram was called out of Ur of the Chaldees, that he was given this great and glorious covenant that God was going to build him into a great nation. And he gets to what is the promised land only to be hit with a famine. And instead of staying there, Abram sojourns and he goes to Egypt. And it's while he's in Egypt that we saw the story of Abraham telling the lie about his wife and the trouble that it got him in. And through all of that, the Lord still blesses him and he sends him back from Egypt to the place that he originally sent him back to the promised land. And that's where we pick up the story in Genesis chapter 13. We've seen the mercy of God in bringing Abram back and he is back in the promised land, but I can promise you that all his problems are not over. Let's stand together and read God's word. Genesis 13, we begin in verse 1. So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had, and Lot went with him. And Abram had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold. And from the Negev he went from place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai, where, it, where his tent had been earlier and where he had first built an altar. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Now Lot, who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. But the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abram's herdsmen and the herdsmen of Lot. The Canaanite and Perizzites were also living in the land at that time. So Abram said to Lot, Let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herdsmen and mine, for we're brothers. 
Is it not the, is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. And Lot looked up and he saw the whole plain of the Jordan was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, toward Zor. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east, and the two men parted company. Abram lived in the land of Canaan while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. And the Lord said to Abram after Lot had parted from him, Lift up your eyes from where you are and look north and look south and look east and look west. And all the land that you see I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go walk through the length and breadth of the land for I am giving it to you. So Abraham moved his tents and went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron where he built an altar to the Lord. Lord, show us today that when we look down the paths of life that we must choose wisely which we will walk. Help us to choose to walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you please be seated this morning? And you'll see that as our big idea on the screen this morning as we talk about the road less traveled. We're pointing to the fact that when you look down the paths of life, you must choose wisely which you will walk. Now, we hear all of the time about it's not the, what you, the way you talk, but it's about the way you walk. But it's also in when you're walking the path that you choose. How you decide to order your steps before the Lord is going to make all the difference in your life. Not just for our young people, certainly for them, but for all of us. So when we jump right into the story, what we see is that Abram and Lot have both been blessed incredibly. That's how we start chapter 13. They've got money, they've got silver, they've got gold, they've got herds, they've got everything you could ask for. In fact, Abram had been so blessed that the blessing had spilled over to Lot, and now Lot is blessed as well. Now, we hear a lot of sermons on how to handle adversity, what to do in tough times, not letting tough times get you down, how do we battle adverse circumstances, and those sermons are important, and certainly there's a lot in the Bible about that. But there's something that I don't think we hear enough about. There are a lot of you that have been through tough times. You've been through adversity. And I would dare say that one of the things that I'm most proud of the people at First Baptist Summit is how in the midst of difficult times and difficult circumstances, hardship, problems, how you handle that. How you rely on the Lord, how you call on the name of the Lord, how you support each other. I'm telling you, I don't know if I've ever been around a group of people that is so faithful in the way that when hardship comes, you bind to the Lord and bind together. But what I want to talk about this morning is not how you handle adversity. I think there is a greater test that we need to talk about, and that is how do you handle prosperity? How do you handle it, not when you're in the trenches, not when you're having difficulty and pain? How do you handle it when the Lord seems to be blessing you abundantly? How do you handle it when things are going well? And I would tell you that there are a lot of Christian people that handle adversity better than they handle prosperity. And so when we see these two men who have been blessed, Abraham has now become wealthy. He's come back from Egypt. Remember, he has gone back 
to Bethel or the house of God and worshiped again. We find him between Bethel and Ai. Remember, Ai is the house of ruin. Bethel is the house of God. We see him back at those trees at Mamre. You can remember we talked about Mamre and where he went originally and that that was part of a fertility cult and God reminded him it wouldn't be because of some fertility cult that he would have a child but it would be because of God's blessing that was on his life so he is back here in the promised land in these important places and you would almost think that you could breathe out and say okay Abram's biggest problems are behind him but they've just gotten started and I know this is going to shock some of you but a lot of Abram's biggest problems were family problems. And so he gets, and, and they've got a problem that most people would love to deal with. We're so rich, there's not room for both of us. That's the problem. We have got so much that we can't stay here together. Your folks and my folks are fighting. Your family and my family's not getting along. There's disputes about who's gonna, whose herds are going to eat in what fields and who's going to use what wells. We have got to split up and I'm telling you that I, I wish I could tell you different but in dealing with people for 44 years of life and for well over 20 years of ministry families struggle amen families have problems and one of the greatest problems that families have is money it's difficulties uh, it causes difficulties among spouses and when people pass away, it is amazing what comes out of the woodwork and what greed can take over people and how people act and how people treat each other. And sometimes people's true colors come out in the midst of family issues, but especially when money is involved. And money is involved. And Abram does something that is absolutely incredible. And I want you to look at verse 10, and then I want you to look at verse 14, because we're going to compare two different perspectives. We're going to compare two different ways to make decisions. I want you to look at how they both lifted their eyes. That's an important phrase in this chapter, and it really helps you to see how Lot made a decision and how Abram made a decision. When you look at verse 10, what does it say? It says, Lot looked up, and what did he see? He saw the whole plain of the Jordan was well watered. Lot said, well, this is easy. I'm going to look out. I'm going to look horizontally, and I'm going to see what land looks the best. And if he's crazy enough to let me make this choice, I'm going to take the good stuff. Simple. But then when you look at verse 14, it says that the Lord said to Abram after Lot had parted from him, lift up your eyes. I want to tell you when it comes to decision making, if you want to make good decisions, start looking up instead of looking out. Because when you look up, what you're saying is, God, I'm going to mess this up. Have you ever made a decision that you wish you'd have taken a little more time and consulted the Lord with? Have you ever done something and thought, that is not what God wanted me to do? Have you ever gone a direction and thought, if I'd have just prayed about that a little bit, 
If I'd have sought wise counsel a little bit about that, I wouldn't have made this dumb, idiotic, sinful decision. And there is a difference in looking out and a difference in looking up. And while Lot is looking out at all the earthly benefits, Abram has the wisdom and maturity to say, the Lord will take care of me. Whichever land he gives me, he can bless me in that land. And Lot, you choose first. And that's amazing because Abram being the senior partner... Being the older family member, Abram had every right to choose. Abram had every right to say, Lot, I'm going that way, you go that way. But he said, you know what? You make the choice. It's an amazing act of humility that we very rarely see today. We see a lot of false humility today, people talking about how humble they are. But if someone talks about how humble they are, they're bragging on their humility. And if you brag on your humility, guess what you're not? humble and so abram legit says hey pick whichever way you want to go and i'll go the other way two different perspectives and i will tell you that when you look the heart the heart the eyes always see what the heart loves the eyes see what the heart loves so it's amazing sometimes people are talking about what they saw and the options that were before them and the opportunities that were presented. Most of the time, you see what you are looking for. If you're looking for sin, you'll find sin. If you're looking for bad relationships, you'll find them. And if you're looking for God, guess what? You'll find Him too. Seek me and you shall find me if you seek me with all of your heart. God wants to be found and he's not hiding from us. So what we know is that you have two people who are, have their hearts trained in a different direction so it determines their outlook. And oftentimes your outlook will determine your outcome. Outlook often determines outcome. How I view the world, how I, the perspective that I had. And it says in verse 11, after Lot looked and saw, he looked horizontally and saw, and then these words... And these may sound like just a, a strange little phrase, but I don't want you to miss it. It says, Lot chose for himself. That's a dangerous phrase. Most of the time, when I have gotten myself in trouble, it, you could put my name right there. Larry chose for himself. In other words, I did what I wanted. I did what I thought was going to be best for me. I did what I thought benefited me. I did with no consequence about thinking what the Lord wants in your life. You chose for yourself what you wanted to have happen. And oftentimes we are fooled to think that getting what we want will satisfy us. Like not what he wanted. You remember when he was in Egypt? He spent some time in Egypt and evidently liked it because when he looked, and the reason he chose to go towards Sodom and Gomorrah is because it reminded him of Egypt. Young people, I want you to listen to me, and I want you to listen well. I love you, and this is important. If you get in the far country, you can come back. You don't have to stay there. But the more time you spend in the far country, the next time you see it, you will be tempted by it again. 
The easiest and the greatest and the most holy thing to do is stay in the will of God, and that way, because you've been in the will of God, you aren't tempted by the things that Egypt has to offer. But now we have Lot. He's been there. He sees something that looks familiar. He says, I think I'll go down there. And we even see the foreshadowing of what's going to take place, don't we? It says that the Lord had not yet destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, but they were wicked and sinful cities. We already know if we've read ahead what's going to happen to these two places. And evidently, other people knew how perverse and corrupted and sinful these places were. I believe that it'd be hard to argue that Lot didn't know what these places were known for. But they looked like Egypt. It was fertile like the plains of Egypt. And he said, you know what, I'm taking that route. Sometimes when we look to the wrong places and desire the wrong things, it will obviously lead to bad and costly decisions. Lot never considered the Lord, but only what the eyes of flesh could see. He presumed to run his own life, and he pridefully thought he could handle whatever he would face. We're going to figure out next week that he couldn't handle it at all. But once Lot separated from Abram, his life went downhill. His faith had been so attached to his uncles that once he got away from his uncle, it's amazing that life deteriorated for him. I cannot get over the number of people who have bought into the satanic lie that if you get out of fellowship with godly people that somehow you're going to keep walking in the faith. People get out of church, oh, we're fine. No, you're not fine. You are not fine. I'm not saying in one week your life is going to go to hell in a handbasket, but I'm telling you, if you get out of fellowship with God and His people and the corporate gathering of the saints, and you get out of fellowship with people that love Jesus, you will make bad decisions. Every one of you, you will make bad decisions. You will be in bad relationships. You will make bad friendships. You will partner with bad people. If we are going to succeed in our relationship with the Lord, it's because if we find people that love Jesus, we need to hold on to them. You need to stick with them. And you need to be thankful that somebody was praying you through and it was probably that person. It probably was a person that loved you and cared about you. And you'd rather be in a pig pen in the far country when this person would be there for you when the chips are down. And the difference in those people and some of your supposed friends is that they love you enough that after you've treated them sorry and after you've left them alone that you probably could call them today and say, hey, I've messed up, I miss you, I miss your friendship, I need you, don't forget about me. And my guess is because they love you and they love Jesus, they're probably going to say, man, you need to come on home somebody's praying you through right now you know when Abram had to leave Ur he eventually had to leave Haran and then he would have to leave Egypt but now he also had to leave Lot and what we see is that Abram's faith yielded much better results than Lot's did in verses 14 through 17 we see God repeat that promise that covenant back to Abram and this unselfish act on his part brought about a blessing, an untold blessing, but it also brought about protection for Abram and his family because he followed the Lord. He had the wisdom to head off the problem before it became a problem. I love people like that. He looked and saw this isn't going anywhere. Their herdsmen and my herdsmen are fighting. Our families are getting into it. And so he said, you know what? We better do something about this before it gets too bad. Now, some of you are not conflict people, and I get that. You just avoid conflict at all costs. 
Now, there's others of you that are too much conflict people. You're just looking for a fight all the time. But I'll tell you this, and I think this is really important. There is some biblical wisdom in knowing that if we just keep sweeping this under the rug, this is going to be a problem. And we've got to have the intestinal fortitude to be willing to say, Lord, I need your help, but we need to address this before it gets really bad. How many issues in your life do you wish you could go back and say, you know, we probably should have addressed that? We probably should have addressed that. Abraham had that wisdom. I pray for that wisdom. So thankful for an example like this to bring that before us and to show us that. You know, I, I thought about Abram over the past couple of weeks because it may seem like an easy choice that was made here, but you've got to remember his nephew had been with him basically his whole life. He raised Lot. It's more like his son than it was anything else. And I imagine that Abram knew he made the right choice, but in the days that followed, I, I got to think he was probably pretty lonely. I got to think he probably said, you know what, I just miss him. And I can tell you something about loneliness. Loneliness will cause you to either do one of two things. Loneliness will cause you to make some of the worst decisions in your life. Loneliness will cause you to make some of the worst decisions in your life because it drives you to people otherwise you would have never been around. It drives you to decisions that you otherwise would have never made. Loneliness is dangerous. But it can also drive you to the Lord. And so in Abram's case, that Lot is gone. Who does he have left? Certainly he has a lot of people in his company, but he has the Lord left. And he also now has a deeper vertical perspective on life about how to look to the Lord first. And the Lord has now come in these verses 14 through 17 and has brought this covenant back to him. And, and, and now Abram is beginning to realize that, that his biggest issue is not understanding what the Lord wants him to do. His biggest issue is doing what the Lord has commanded him to do. You see, in Abram's life, and I believe in most of our life, the Lord has not been unclear on how, what He wants you to do or how He wants you to live. Your, problem, your biggest problem is not understanding the Bible or understanding this sermon. Our biggest problem is whether or not we're actually going to do what God said do. And you know, we have absolutely no excuses. We have a canonized 66 Bible book right here. We have godly sermons that we can listen to. We have incredible worship opportunities. We have the benefit of prayer and being able to enter the Holy of Holies by the power of Jesus, and we're benefited through that. We have Christian friends and family around us to consult. Friends, we don't have any excuse not to follow the Lord. But one of the things that I like so much about this story that I think we need to highlight and we need to press and we need to understand is that Abram, in his wisdom, looked beyond the immediate results of this decision. He understood that it's not all about instant gratification. That the decisions we make have long-term benefits and long-term consequences. And when we make decisions, we need to be thinking about some things. Number one, if any decision you make is primarily, if your primary motive is about pleasing yourself, you've probably made the wrong decision. If when you analyze the decision, this is really all about me, the chance is it's the wrong decision. But number two, when you think about 
uh, how to how to decide things. I, I get that question a lot. How do we how do we decide things? How do we make this decision? How do we you know when the Bible doesn't expressly say something about it? I want to give you what I believe to be the clearest guide for a Christian to make decisions. Here's it. You think, well, this is bound to take a long time and you're almost out of time. I really think this is so simple, but we forget it and we want to complicate everything. Here it is. You ready? Will this decision enhance me and my family's walk with God or will it diminish it? Will this decision enhance my relationship with God or will it diminish it? And most of the time, if you have to come up with a whole lot of justifications, well, I don't know that it's going to take me away from the Lord. Probably it, you already know it's going to take you away from the Lord. Well, I mean, there's, there's things about it we could do that, that, that would probably offset that. You, don't do it. You know in your heart, is this a decision that is going to bring me closer to the Lord or does it have a better shot to take me and my family away from the Lord? And if you can't clearly answer the question that it's going to take you closer to the Lord, then that's a very easy way to say, you know what, we probably don't need to do that or we probably do need to do this. But what Abraham does here at the very end, and we don't want to miss this, it says that he built an altar. He's back at Mamre. And even though he had been there before, what he does is he builds a fresh altar. He worships again. He's received the covenant again, and he worships again. You know what? I love kids because they're so honest. I mean, if you don't have any little kids in your life, you need to find some because they are incredible. They ask you questions that you're like, are you kidding me? Like, and they're so honest. And sometimes they'll be talking about church and they'll be like, oh, do we have to go every week? Every week. And one of the reasons the answer is yes is because you need to build a fresh altar. You need to build a fresh altar every day, every week. You need to build a fresh altar because He's worthy to be worshipped and He's worthy to be praised. And just because you did it yesterday doesn't mean you don't need to do it today. And just because you worshipped Him last week doesn't mean you will need, won't need to worship Him next week. And a fresh altar is one of the things we need because if worship and praise leaves our lives or leaves this church, then friends, the greatest thing that you have been gifted with, you are not going to be using. So when we get right back to thinking about the roads, the paths of life, you recognize that when you come to a spot and it wise, and you have to choose to go right or you have to choose to go left, that there ought to be a check inside your spirit by the power of the Holy Spirit telling you biblically which road you should travel, what road you should take. Years ago, and I'm certainly not a poet and probably not the student of poetry I ought to be, but there was a poem that was read long, long ago. And I can remember for the first time in my life, a poem caught my ear. And I believe this to be one of the greatest works of poetry that was ever written outside of the Bible. 
It's a poem that many of you already know, and it's entitled The Road Not Taken by Robert Frost. Two roads diverge in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both. And being one lone traveler long, I stood, and I looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth, then took the other as just as fair, and having perhaps a better claim, because it was grassy and it wanted wear. Though as for that, the passing there had worn them really about the same, and both that morning equally lay, and leaves no step had trodden back black. Oh, I kept the first for another day, yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I should be telling this with a sigh, somewhere ages and ages hence, two roads diverge in the wood, and I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Let me challenge you. The road less traveled, that's the road you want. Because Jesus told us broad is the road that leads to destruction, but narrow is the way that leads to eternal life.